This is 20 Questions on Deadline, and I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is multi-hyphenate Sharon Horgan. She co-wrote and starred in the comedy series Catastrophe and created the HBO comedy Divorce, starring Sarah Jessica Parker. Now, Horgan is starring in the Apple TV Plus series Bad Sisters, which she co-created. She plays Eva, the oldest of four sisters embroiled in the suspicious death of their sister Grace's husband, John Paul. Sharon Horgan, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thanks for having me. So I have to tell you, a friend of mine that lives in London was the first to tell me about Bad Sisters, your show. Oh, who? Who's your friend? Oh, she's my best friend. Her name's Tilly Harris. And she called me and said, there's a show you have to watch. She's also obsessed with Motherland, which uh, <laughs> oh, good. all my friends in, in uh, the UK are obsessed with, especially. But I love Bad Sisters, and I personally am desperate to see what happens next. Talk about cliffhanger, not yeah. to give anything away. Well, um, yeah, I like a cliffhanger. Um, you know, initially I hadn't planned on doing any more, but while we were shooting it, we, well, you know, it's it's um it's really hard to leave characters behind anyway, but when they come together that well and have such great chemistry and all that, it's it's even more difficult. But when we were shooting it, there were some really obvious areas that felt like they were, you know, perfect for for a second season. So I am slap bang in the middle of it at the moment, but I'm sort of in that bit where I, I'm, uh, you know, um, sort of feeling the pressure. Um, but that's okay. That happens with anything. Any, any time I've done a second season of anything, you kind of immediately just think, is this, is this the show? Am I doing it right? Like when Rob and I made Catastrophe, our first day on set of the second season, we were convinced that we were playing the characters wrong, you know, that we'd sort of lost whatever it was in the first season that made them those characters. And it always happens when you're lucky enough to have people like your show. It's the same with Motherland. You kind of think, oh, what is that thing that people like? And But the more you examine it, the, the less sure you are. You know, you just have to go with your instinct. And so that's kind of where I am with Bad Sisters at the moment, just enjoying being with those sisters, even if they're just sitting around slagging each other off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to fall into a vat of wine. With, with what yeah. Eva drinks wine with a bit of vodka? No, Prosecco. Prosecco well, with well, vodka. That, uh, you know, was inspired by um, Insecure. Um, mm. That that was um, her, her drink and inspired by my own drinking habits during lockdown, where I felt <laughs> like nothing was strong enough. <laughs> and uh, it's that's a really powerful drink. I've um, never tried it, but well, I will. I don't know. I've stopped drinking now, so that's possibly led to this current situation situation. <laughs> well, okay. So that leads me to how you found Eva as a person when you talk about, you know, drinking versus not drinking, because uh -huh. obviously that's something that's a part of the character. Yeah. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast that you did where you talked a bit about your family and growing up in a big family mm. being one of five siblings. Mm. And I think you referred to the family as a five-headed monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because you'll do anything for each other. Yeah. You're kind of one and the same being. Yeah. And I thought about that in terms of how you found who Eva is. Because she's kind of looking after the sisters. She's the mum in, in lieu of the mum they've lost. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit about how you kind of lit on her as the person to play. Because at one point you were maybe going to play a different sister. Yeah. Well, I think I've also said this quite a lot, but we, um, all of us wanted to play BB at one stage or another because... You wanted to wear the eye patch. Wanted to wear the eye patch, (laughs) wanted to use a bow and arrow, (laughs) wanted to be like, you know... Murderous. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and like, she's the closest to um, a a sort of superhero out of all of them. But um, yeah, Eva appealed to me for a a number of reasons and one was it was sort of an homage to my own um older sister um who you know we um are lucky enough to still have our parents around but she was the sort of mini matriarch you know she is the godmother of my youngest brother there's like 12 years in the difference and she did everything first you know she um went to Trinity College and was the first to get a job that was exciting where we all thought, oh my God, you can do that. You know, you can come from the sticks and make documentaries or, you know, she kind of, she was a real inspirational um, person for me. But um, there was a point where she was kind of hitting 40 and hadn't met the right man and 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 was someone who absolutely wanted to be a mother, but ha- that hadn't entered her life at that point. And so, for me with Eva, it was like if my sister hadn't had had her daughter and, and you know, was someone who was absolutely born to be a mother, but that story hadn't, you know, panned out for. But it was also to play someone who wasn't bitter about that. I mean, yes, she drinks too much, but that's for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. But she there was a lot of hope in that character, you know, and I felt that for women who were in her situation, you know, of a certain age and hadn't sort of, you know, life hadn't panned out in the way that she'd sort of seen for herself, that there was still a lot of joy to be had as, as you know, as an auntie and as an older sister and in her career. And uh, so there was all of that. Um, and I really like the idea of playing a good person because quite often I play real selfish so-and-sos and, uh, you know, my um, even for my daughters to see me <laughs> play someone who doesn't put herself first, you know, who, um, yeah, just a gentler kind of character, I, I, I thought would be um, good for the soul, you know. Um, and, and yeah, just actually being um, the, the second eldest within my large family group is, you know, an interesting position to be in because I was kind of allowed to be a brat for a long time and allowed not to, you know, necessarily be the role model, but be, you know, the person that encouraged my younger siblings to to be naughty because <laughs> <laughs> I was naughty for a long time. But, um, but I felt like I was able to capture what it is to be part of a big family and there's just so much joy in it and you you are an instant sort of party and wherever you go you kind of bring the party and um but at the same time I rely on them hugely and that's you know for the Garveys is is this huge thing that they would you know always always be there for each other no matter what and uh I mean I really have always lent on my brothers and sisters, but even more so now, weirdly, you know, mm. at this ripe old age, I'm, you know, really quite dependent on them. 
you know, there's a a factor to this that makes it the perfect setup to tell a story, a more serious story of abuse, right? Because there is this family who cannot understand why their sister has put up with this abusive husband. And it's the perfect vehicle because that is a, a kind of reflection of how people respond when they see an abused partner. Why aren't you standing up to them? Why haven't you left him? Yeah. You're pathetic. And they kind of pile on um, and almost worsen the problem without understanding why their sister Grace, played by Anne-Marie Duff, she's so good, yeah. um, why she has ended up so small mm. and how they can actually help her. Mm. Obviously, in the end, they uh, do more than just help her. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting how how the show handles it because it's both funny and mm. tragic. Mm. Um, what did you think about when you went into kind of telling a story of abuse? Because Eva has dealt with abuse too. You know, she's hiding this big secret. Yeah. I mean, it was a... A tricky thing for all the actors, actually, because they all had their own story that wasn't necessarily revealed at the start. So, you know, quite often we were in situations where you're having to play like three or four things within the scene, knowing that it wasn't going to pay off, you know, until, you know, the penultimate episode or the or the finale. And uh, so there was an awful lot to sort of... Um, juggle there and you know we we talked a lot and talked with our you know um the director of the first block um Dervla Walsh a lot as well about you know how much we could hold back and how much we wanted to m reveal on our faces and and how much we how much we wanted the sisters to actually be covering up their feelings and for Anne Marie you know, her background isn't comedy at all and it, it's drama. And so it was great that she was, she lent into this sort of funnier moments, you know, I mean, like the, the very first episode opens with her realizing her dead husband has an erection yeah, and she's, and she's up. <laughs> so funny in that moment. So she was really happy to go for that. But, but in, in other scenes where all the sisters are aware of something and Amory has to play dumb as Grace it was really important to her that her character didn't didn't seem like a foolish woman, you know, that yeah. she was, um, she's a, a, a smart woman who's just had the lights knocked out of her, you know. So it was, um, it was a, it was a bit of a juggle and it was also just something that we had to keep an eye on throughout, like in rehearsal, in, in the writing of it, in the filming of it, and then in the edit, you know, just making sure that we were, telling the story truthfully and and respecting that um character's story and that character's truth as well um but also like being respectful of the the people watching do you know because we got so many messages afterwards from women saying exactly what you were saying there you know that they have that that they have you know, a, a sister who's gone through that, that they've had to just sort of watch and bite their tongue at the, you know, the family table at, at, at family occasions where they, you know, desperately wanted to do what our sister <laughs> <laughs> chose to do. Um, and women who've been in that position themselves, but hadn't sort of seen it reflected in that way on, on, on TV. You know, we see 
um, other variations of abuse, you know, um, violence or sexual, but not that level of coercive um, control. Yeah, yeah, which is 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 um, uh, sort of I think a, a lot harder to to understand unless you you see it laid out bare like that, um, like we did in the show. So, so yeah, it was. I think comedy is a really powerful tool to to tell stories like that because I think you know people relax a bit and they're they're laughing and they're enjoying it and then you can come around and just like hit them around the back of the head with something that's really brutal and it's yeah. much more shocking for that reason but then also they get the release of you know laughter you know um quite quickly as well and and I and I also think that you know in in real life you know, there, there is a lot of humor in, in life and, and, you know, because you're telling a domestic abuse story doesn't mean that it has to be a grim story. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we wanted the show to entertain because, well, that's, um, I think that's, that's how you can kind of, um, disguise pretty serious, hefty, subject matter you know this I mean. comes up a lot when I talk to people that that do this kind of comedy and it always brings to mind Phoebe Waller-Bridge you know telling the saddest stories yeah making everyone cry oh, laughing yeah, you know completely. and it's just how you creep up on people yeah, with yeah. seriousness it really you know, does because otherwise you're feeding them a bitter pill you need to give them something to you know i, coat, I know coat the bitter I, pill. I totally agree and, it, and I, I think if something is a hard watch then it's a hard watch right. you know and, and people tune out or or jump off you know um so uh yeah and that's that's no good <laughs> people are gonna stick right. around and finish the story out you know um I gotta say that John Paul is the juiciest villain because he's such I mean you love to hate him you know he's he's such a dyed in the wool malignant narcissist from hell yeah um and I did wonder whether you all studied malignant narcissists or whether <laughs> that you just kind of know about this stuff from living your life oh you know? absolutely don't we all? surrounded by malignant narcissists I mean, there are I way work too in many TV. of them <laughs> <laughs> they're everywhere yeah they're it's everywhere. an epidemic i mean we got really lucky in that our um series is an adaptation of the belgian original yes. clan and and malin created such a, a a great um monster and so we had those ingredients but I think we wanted to, um, you know, find our version of, of this man. And, um, you know, I liked the idea that he was, uh, you know, on the outside, a real, like, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful looking man. And, uh, and, um, I suppose, you know, an upstanding member of the community, you know, he's, he's religious. He, he, you know, holds down a good job. He seems to be a good father. And, um, but really that's, um, made him all the more frightening, I think. And, and yeah. the fact that he's, he's a fool as well, I think also makes him more frightening because, because you can laugh at him, you know, and he can't, handle that you know he's yeah. he's he's someone who we wanted to um 
to mock as well, you know. And in fact, they were the scenes that Clace found the hardest, you know. I mean, the, the, he really enjoyed Clace, Clace Bang, yeah. he plays John Paul. He, he really enjoyed being a villain, you know. He, he really um, went, went for it. Oh, he did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we're making a fool of his character, it was almost harder for him to deal with that than when he's being an out an out monster interesting yeah isn't that funny why yeah. do you think that is because he's a man <laughs> they don't like being laughed at you know that's, that's... I just want to apologise to our producer David in the room <laughs> well you know a certain a certain kind of man doesn't like being laughed at but yeah um, no that's true and, and those narcissistic types that's a that's a hallmark of, yeah you know the fragile ego and but I think we you know we weren't well together to make sure that there were moments within the show and for the character where you almost related to him, you know, where you almost felt like you understood why he'd got to that place. You know, um, Clace was initially very, very against having any reason in in his backstory. He's like, why can't he just be an asshole? It's like, <laughs> well, he's more than an asshole. He's, he's, uh, he's a monster, but yeah. you know, a lot of the times that doesn't just, you know, appear out of nowhere, you know. So we wanted right. to give him a complicated um, background in childhood, but we also wanted to show, you know, his loneliness when he felt like he's not included in his wife's family and how, you know, you might get an idea of what that was like at the start, you know, that he may have, if he'd found his way in, maybe he wouldn't have been such a malignant, you know, narcissist as you say but like he couldn't and his ego couldn't deal with that either you know so he divides and conquers exactly so he thinks. Yeah, yeah so he thinks but you know even the moments where he's he's with his daughter we wanted to we wanted to give him layers you know we wanted hmm. to show that um that um well, I guess that you could understand why Grace had stuck around for so long for those sort of moments of light in amongst, you know, when he when he deigns to sort of give her a bit of affection or a compliment yeah. to her. But that's classic know. abuse, isn't it? Yeah. To yeah. withhold and exactly. then shine the light when exactly. you want to pull them back in. Yeah. It's really, it's really well told. I love the moments where he strategizes keeping her away from her sisters. Oh, yeah. Like when she's going to go on the, is it the, the 40 swim, foot 40 swim? Foot swim which is such a family tradition. Um, and he realizes she's about to go do that and then goes and tells her how amazing she is and gives her champagne. I know. It's yeah. so dark. It's monstrous. You just want to, you know, there's such payoff in, yeah. in wanting to, you know, attack him physically. Yeah. And you get to see the yeah. sisters be bad sisters. <laughs> it's so fun. It was, um, it was a, it was interesting to to sort of figure out what we could get away with in that first episode and how much we could push it because, you know, you, you need the audience to stay on board with the sisters ultimately trying to kill him most episodes. Um, so you kind of had to sort of build his um, awfulness, you know. Mm. So initially you kind of start out, you know, at that Christmas dinner just thinking, I wouldn't want to sit beside him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really he's just, you know, like like That's just of, the warm-up. Yeah, that's just the warm-up. But, you know, what what you allowed his daughter to see, you know, um, that shot that that 
Dervla Walsh did, where you're really just following him as he walks towards her rather than sort of seeing a face full of of anger, you know, and then most of it's played just on their hands at that at, at the door when he sort of stops her from leaving. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it's it was it was interesting working out how much we could how much we could show of his of his um awfulness and how much we had to hold back so that you know you save the best till last well yeah uh for yeah sure. what a what an ending i don't want to ruin it but it's the best <laughs> so do you feel ready to start the old 20 questions round oh yeah i might have to take my jacket off because i am sweating a little <laughs> do get comfortable <laughs> we can make it as as a quick fire or long fire as you like okay so well let's see how you feel yeah let's see how we go <laughs> So first off, do you remember a particular moment, like a day or a thing that you read or saw that made you realize you wanted to do your job? Well, um, I'm pretty sure it, it, it happened to me when I, when I was quite young and, um, you know, the whole sort of school play of it. But I know the moment when I decided I wanted to try and go for it professionally and, um, I'd been in a in a in a car crash and um I'd got this enormous um bruise that covered you know most of my um upper arm and I was in a, a cafe in in Dublin I was I was um studying art at the time and Jim Sheridan the director um saw me in the cafe and you know it's pretty messed up looking because I'd had this car crash the night before so he came over and he um, said he was making this film called The Fields and there was um, a, a female character in it who was, you know, a bit of a, a toughie. And uh, he goes, do you want to audition for it? And I was completely... Out um, of nowhere? I'd never seen you in his life? No. Didn't know I, I that you nowhere. might act or anything? No. He just I thought, just, that's a real bruiser. Uh, that's a real bruiser. <laughs> I, I was dressed, I was quite, you know, a bit of a hippie at the time. I'd come out of my goth phase and I'd moved firmly into, <laughs> into hippie. And, you know, the Did character... Did you have a big nose ring? I had a nose ring. I had my, <laughs> yes. all, all of it. Yeah. And... Um, Love it. So, so um, I didn't get the job, obviously, but... Um, Weirdly, the rejection—something <laughs> about it. What um, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but the rejection just made me go, "Okay, right, no, I want to do this." That's I think what it I was, want. yeah, I think yeah. it was standing in front of him, you know, performing it, realizing that I didn't have the skills, you know, at that point, but thinking, no, that I want to get those skills because I want to, I want to get a, I want to get a yes, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, something about the experience or the concept of doing it was really compelling as well. Mm. It's not yeah. just uh, I want what I haven't got. It's, yeah. There's something creative that in you that it spoke to. Yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, I was also failing quite badly in art college. So I guess I realized I needed a different <laughs> What route. were you doing? Were you painting? Drawing? I was doing fine art. Yeah, foundations. So I did fine art foundation. Did you? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Why were you failing? It just wasn't good enough. Oh, know? I was failing because I didn't go to any lectures. Really? No, I, I went <laughs> but I along. I might have also not been good enough. I just didn't even show up. Well, I no, I, I, I definitely showed up. But sort of midway through um, my first year, this weird thing happened where I was... Um, um, a close friend of mine from um, convent school had um, joined a band and she asked me, would I join with her? <laughs> so we were kind of just sort of 
backing dancers. It's so weird. This is so classic. <laughs> and um, wait, what year are you? I'm I was in of... my first year in college. Okay, so what's that? so that was um, 1989. Okay, I'm picturing late 80s hair outfits. Yeah, backing yeah. Dancers. I was dyed black. We both. Um, yeah, we were in that sort of um, mid mid goth transition into into hippie sort of look and uh I mean I definitely can't dance so I don't know what was going on <laughs> but I guess I had a look and um a talent it. manager came along when we were doing a, a live show in Dublin and um he was like I think I'm gonna make you literally I'm gonna make you a star he said that yes oh and I didn't know that people <laughs> said that in real life well they did he was he was Swiss um I think maybe that's just what they said in in Switzerland and uh <laughs> So I went, I actually went to, to Zurich in, in wow. Switzerland and spent five days where he just sort of figured out what to do with me. And He was uh, an old school Svengali. Yeah, yeah. And what clearly nothing happened. But again, it was one of those things where I thought this is, this is interesting. But I also, it really messed me up actually, because I thought for years afterwards that someone was just going to you know, tap me on the shoulder and, you know, do the same thing. So I kind of just, it, me it meant that I sort of uh, wasted a lot of time, you know, not sort of actively yeah. trying to do the thing. Just well, it happened to you twice yeah. already. Why wouldn't you think that was normal? <laughs> I know. So yeah. that, I mean, that story about, oh, you've got a bruise on your arm is just, <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anything like it's it. It's gas, isn't it? It's so good. <laughs> Uh, what were the characters in books, films, TV that really spoke to you growing up? Um, I, honestly, I think it was an, anything that had a, a female protagonist, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, on TV, I was um, pretty obsessed with uh, this crazy British show called Tenko. You're too oh, young. I remember to, it. You really do well. remember it? Really loved it. In I fact, mean, I used to watch it with my mum and yeah, I was obsessed with yeah, it. Yeah, me too. My um, sisters and I used to eat rice with our hands because of um, the ladies in... Wow. <laughs> Just to explain to the listeners that it was about a, a concentration yeah, camp. Yeah, it was, it was a prison of war camp in Japan. Japan, yeah. And it was, um, you know, English women. I think there was yeah, an Australian and um, yeah. they were held there. Maybe and, a Dutch um, woman. And a Dutch woman as well. Yeah. And... Um, just extraordinary ensemble of mm. women in a in a desperate situation trying to survive and it's funny that I've sort of ended up, you know. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I but know. there's something about that story that I I still remember viscerally. Yeah, because it was an early example of women being so tough. Oh yeah, and you just couldn't put them down. Yeah, that's it. They kept popping back up. I mean, I I loved tough women mm. on TV. Like I was also obsessed with with Roseanne. You know mm -hmm. that 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 character is so funny. Um, but also, you know, so strong. And I mean, soaps were a huge part of my my childhood. We didn't have a, um, there, there, I don't think there was a huge amount of TV that I was really interested in outside of Dallas Dynasty, <laughs> Falcon Crest, Knott's Landing, <laughs> but they all had these great, you know, yes, um, bitches, you know, crystal, yeah, Carrington. and you know, um, um, Stephanie Beecham's character. I can't oh, remember yeah, if she was yeah, the, yeah. the Colby. Oh yeah, um, 
But I thought oh, yeah, they I were... Oh, yeah, I got it wrong. It's, is it Alexis Colby and Crystal Carrington? That's yeah, it, yeah. I got the names Alexis wrong. Alexis Colby, Crystal, Crystal Carrington. Um, although Crystal was qu quite wet. So I... Yeah, yeah, she was much softer spoken. Yeah. And sort of, you know, made decorative. <laughs> Alexis was like, I will cut your throat. She's just... Um, such a such a Joan Collins stealer right? and, and Diane um, was it Diane Cannon was she oh they remember. were just um, genius but yeah they they those sort of really strong bitches on TV really stuck with me as well and and books wise I don't know I mean I guess you know the the sort of obvious ones like you know. Withering, like Kathy Earnshaw, mm -hmm. Withering Heights, and 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 Little Women, and you know Joan, Little Women, and um, outside of that, you know, when I was really young, just just reading the sort of you know the detective books, the sort of Nancy Drews and stuff, I was always really drawn to female, good, strong female protagonists. Mm, I loved things like What Katie Did, oh God, I and, love what Katie and did as well. Green Gables, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. Uh, what about what were the posters on your childhood bedroom walls? Oh, it was it was um, David Bowie and um, nice. and Kate Bush, and probably if I'm honest, Duran Duran and a bit of Haircut 100. Um, but David Bowie was who I he was my obsession, mm. and you know I would draw him and stick those pictures up, but. You know, he was the first artist I really got into. And then pretty quickly after that, Kate Bush. So you had good taste. I yeah. Mean, I was, you know, there with pictures of the Brat Pack on my walls. I don't know. I wasn't cool <laughs> like that. Well, yeah. I think I had AHA. I AHA got the band. I got really lucky in that my, um, you know, my friend who I ended up dancing in, in her band with had amazing taste. Yeah. So she, you know, she introduced me to Kate Bush, really. And now, yeah, she's just, um, it's still like a massive staple of my life. Have you, you know? met Kate Bush? No, I haven't met Kate it's Bush. I think I would go, I think I would dissolve if I met her. Yeah. She's, you know, kind of everything to me. And I saw her live. I saw her live show. I mean, she's only played live twice in her life and I wasn't around for the, or, was, you know, whatever, eight or something for the first one. But um, I saw her live at, um, in Hammersmith in London and it was, you know, just extraordinary, um, beautiful theatrical storytelling. Mm. And I think, you know, I sort of realise it more now that she was someone who, started out so young but knew exactly what she wanted and wasn't going to be um told to do it any other way than what she you know felt um in you know um just intrinsically um from her gut and and she's just stayed like that and uh I just find that so um inspiring you know yeah. even though completely different area of of, of work just that that idea of just really trusting yourself, you know, mm. um, trusting your instincts. But yeah, she's uh, extraordinary. Well, when you talk about if you met her, you would dissolve that actually. Was, my next question was, have you ever been starstruck? Um, yeah, I for sure have. Um, I mean, 
I was, I was, I was starstruck when I met Nick Cage when we did um, the Unbearable Way. I, w- I was. We were on Zoom, and even on Zoom, I was sort of starstruck by it because <laughs> he was so Nick Cage. Yeah, you know, even even um, at the read through, in his pink leather jacket and, and shades, and you know, he knew the whole thing off by heart already. Really? You know, yeah, he just mm. did this extraordinary performance. But um, I definitely. Um, I, I've I've been lucky enough to meet um, each of the um, actresses in in Friends, um, Courtney and Lisa and Jennifer, and I was as starstruck meeting each of them because, you know, as a comedy performer, they are, you know, w- watching Friends. I sort of um, it was it was a, a huge. Um, a huge inspiration for me, you know, just getting to see women be that funny and um, so skilled. I mean, so skilled as as actors, but also as comedians. And um, but 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 they're like they were like the wall wallpaper. They were everywhere, you know. And and so meeting them for the first time, um, I'm sure Courtney, if she listens to this, would be laughing. Um, but <laughs> but it was it was like it was huge, you know. Um, I love that. Great hair as well. Oh, across my God, the board. The hair. Across the board. The hair. Even, you know, today I'm like, okay, <laughs> you win. Um, what was the first movie you saw in the theater? It was Cinderella. Really? Yeah, with Gemma. God, what was her name? Was it Gemma Craven? Yeah, it was Cinderella. Um, yeah, my mum took me and my elder sister. Um, it was just glorious you know Mm. um yeah what is one of your favorite memories of anything anything yeah (laughs) this is getting into to borrowing the proust questionnaire which if you're not familiar with no i'm not is the set of questions are things like what's your greatest fear? Right. Okay. Where where and when are you happiest? Right. Things like that. So that's where we're going. Uh, my favorite memory, um, or one of them. Well, it's so well, it, it was the birth of my. I feel bad saying this because I have got two daughters, but the birth of my first daughter <laughs> is my favorite memory because at that point in my life, it was the happiest I've ever been, and um, I couldn't. Uh, it was it was at, you know after I given birth because that was horrific. But afterwards, when it was me in the bed and her in the little cot beside me, and it was just the two of us. Even though the hospital was full, you couldn't you know you could hear a pin drop kind of thing, and you know just looking at her, and it was just me and her, and I I couldn't believe how I was feeling, and I couldn't believe how how happy I was. And mm. uh, yeah, that's an amazing memory. Of course, the birth of my second daughter was just as great. It's just that it was at that point time. in my life. Yeah, mm. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that you could actually feel like that. It was like great yeah. drugs, <laughs> <laughs> which are probably still in my system because I went for whatever was going. You're you like, know? give me everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self now? Um, I, I I would just, you know, really kick myself up the arse because I was so um, afraid to to go for it. You know, I was so unconvinced um, of m- my talent, you know, or that if I even had any. And um, yeah, I would I would just um, 
tell myself to have a, a bit more faith in myself, you know, because, um, yeah, I spent a long time not going for it because, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe in myself. So, um, I would definitely go back and, and change that and, uh, tell myself, you know, you can learn on the job mm. just because you haven't got those, you know, refined skills doesn't mean you can't like dive in there. Um, so yeah, I would definitely give myself a bit more kind of big dick energy because um, <laughs> men seem BDA. to find it very easy to jump in there with with often no skills whatsoever, you know, right? just just a belief in themselves and that's we wonderful. Need, we need more of that. Yeah. And I yeah, so. I would love to borrow as much of that as I could. Get. Yeah. Um is there something big you wish you'd done but you feel like maybe it's too late? leave my marriage earlier interesting <laughs> you know I had Gary Oldman on here and I said Gary what advice would you give your younger self and he went don't get married <laughs> and I was like thanks Gary oh no just get out of it earlier I mean I just think what is the point I think it's mm. um you know what do you call it beating a, a dead horse kind of thing but um mm. Yeah, it's weird. It's like your background and your, you know, values or I get sometimes religion or whatever it is or what you think people think you, you should do or what society says. And really, I think like Kate Bush, you just should trust your instinct and, mm. and all that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, what is your idea of misery? Oh, um, I really don't like not being with my girls, you know, and I, it's it's gotten weirdly more intense over the years. Like I used to when they were younger, just be able to sort of, you know, head off and do my thing and then dive back in. And I don't know whether it's just an age thing or, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, getting on the plane to come over here, I was just having an, <laughs> having an old weep for myself in the... In the airport. How it, old are they now? Well, this is the ridiculous thing. They're, they're adults. No, they're not. One of them's 19 and one's 14. But um, So, yeah, they, they are going to need you forever. Oh, so that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? As it turns out, that, that seems to be the case. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would say that that would could that would be my definition of misery is yeah. like not being with them. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you go? Do you know what? I think I would wholesale move into Eva Garvey's house. Um, beautiful place in uh, Ireland. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely beautiful. Just by the sea, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I um, moved over to London when I was so young. You know, I was like 19, I think, when I left Ireland. And um, I love East London. I think London's an absolutely glorious place to I live. Too, but... Yeah. But there's just something about, um, yeah, the coast um, in Ireland. Um, just it's incredibly romantic and wild and, you know, just it smells good. Mm. It really smells good. I was just back there at the um, the weekend for my um, brother's daughter's uh, christening and, uh, yeah, Dublin smells good. What does it smell like? <laughs> 
Well, I think it's just, um, it's a small island. So the whole island is kind of affected sea. by the sea. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, yeah, I guess it's that. like that fresh ozone yeah. plus salt water. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of, bit of turf maybe thrown in. Yeah. Some peat. Yeah. <laughs> <bit of> earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what talent would you most like to have that you don't have? I think I would love to be a, a better raconteur. You know, I'd love to be a good anecdotalist. My, I, I, you know, do talk shows and stuff as part of my job when you have to promo and it's, uh, it's the most terrifying thing because I realize <laughs> how little I've stored in the way of stories, you know, and just having to do that kind of, uh, just, um, sound bites. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I just don't naturally have them. And, and it's the, it, it is one of those skills that I that I admire and sort of envy the most. I'm, you know, could spend hours on YouTube listening to even like, you know, like Richard Harris or Oh yeah. Oliver Reed or, you know, um just great, great um, I know what you're talk about. show guests. So I had Michael Gambon on the set of Harry Potter years ago. This is a perfect case in point. Just in this sort of, you know, softly, softly, like he was vaguely remembering it, tell the best anecdote. <laughs> and he knew it too, yeah. he, you know. Yeah. And he said, oh, he'd been on the set of Sleepy Hollow um, on some of the Queensland somewhere with Johnny Depp. And they were having a little cigarette break and they're standing there. And the Queen rides by on a horse, because it's, you know, they've got permission to film, I forget where they were, wow. maybe Sandringham or somewhere right. like that. And she's surrounded by, you know, her, there's security or whatever, her groundsman. And she just got, does the queenly wave like this, just raises the <laughs> hand, because I guess Michael Gambon had raised a hand. Right. And Johnny Depp turns to him and goes, you know her? <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was such, and the way he told it in this like perfectly very British self-deprecating yeah. thespian way, that's and, what you're talking and, about. Yeah, and, and having the confidence to, to you know, to do that, to, to, to draw it to out. To take your time, yeah. know that there is a zinger at the end. Mm. And yeah. The timing. That would be, wouldn't that be great? be so great. It, it was awesome. And I find that you come across that a lot with theatrical actors. Yeah. Yeah, there's a very specific, especially British, you know, someone like a Maggie Smith or, you know, yeah. someone that's like done a lot of theatre. Yeah. That kind of story. I mean, um, hopefully there's a real, they, 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 you know, that they, they have a personality defect that sort of helps balance that out, you know. <laughs> that would be I'd fair. like to feel they're all that lacking would be fair. in, in some way. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. It's not okay. <laughs> Um, so we're getting towards the end of time because, you know, I never get to the end of the 20 questions because it's oh, so fun. Wow. But you end up talking too long. Not you, me. Well, I did, I think. <laughs> One ends up talking too long. Uh -huh. um, but I do want to ask a couple more if yeah. I can squeeze those in. Sure. So who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? Um... You know, I, my, my brothers and sisters are, like I said, sort of automatic party, but I mean, it would have to be Kate Bush just mm. because, um, you know, and, and David Bowie, I mean, latter day David Bowie was 
a great anecdotalist. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of time watching oh, clips yeah. of him. You get, get in there and just, oh, I he was so I funny. I think talk. he was much more self-conscious when he was younger or, you know, um, just a different person because you change over, over decades, don't you? But um, God, he was really good at telling stories, mm. um, you know, as he got older. So, yeah, those two, I think. And Brilliant. my brothers and sisters. It makes me think of, have you read Keith Richards' biography? I haven't, life? no. The best stories. Really? Oh, I highly recommend. <laughs> it made me think of, you know, the connection between Bowie and and the Stones. Yeah. And there's that, that era of Oh, stories. listen, I would just oh, love epic. to dive into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is your most treasured possession? Oh, um, this is, I'm, I'm sounding like a really, um, obsessed with my daughters, but I am, I've got, um, my Aimer ring. That's my youngest girl and my Sivy necklace, as I'm showing you now oh, on this yeah. podcast. I was and, wondering uh, what the ring said. If, if I lost them, I think I'd, I mean, they would definitely be the things I'd save in, in the proverbial fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, they're lovely. Thank you. Uh, okay. One more what are your desert island films or TV shows? Oh, jeepers. So I watch um, Tootsie oh, probably year, annually. Yeah, <laughs> so sometimes, good. you know, possibly biannually. I, I just love that film so much. It's got um, everything. It's got everything for so many different reasons. Um, that, um, The Heartbreak Kid oh. and... Um, the Graduate, um, you know, Some for Dustin for, Hoffman, bit of a Dust, Dustin Hoffman um, thing going on there. But The Graduate mainly for the music, I think, or just just the 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 atmosphere and the Heartbreak Kid is honestly, I think, one of the funniest films ever made. Charles Grodin's performances, um, one of the greatest comedic performances of all time. Um, and what else do I get to bring? TV. Oh, TV. Yeah. There's, oh, there's streaming on the desert island too. Okay. So there's Wi-Fi. Oh, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to pass. I don't know what TV to bring because I don't know what I watch on, because uh, you have to be something you want to watch on repeat, right? And with right. TV, I seem For to me, just. it's something like Friends or The Sopranos or something that you never yeah. get sick of that you could constantly. Because I rewatch those things. Okay. Because they don't get old for me. Okay. So I think it's what doesn't get old. Yeah. I mean, I really in, enjoy um, Modern Family. Mm. Like I watch that on repeat with um, with my kids. So I, I think I'd get. I think I'd possibly get a, a lot out of that. So maybe, maybe I'll bring that as well. Good choices. Yeah. I personally always choose Jaws, which again is a bit foolish when you're on a. Island yeah, I would definitely ocean. swap swap that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it is Something a, else. it is a, a movie I never get tired of. Mm. It's just brilliant. Um, but anyway, we've run out of time, okay. which makes me sad because I have many, many more questions I would That's love all right. to talk we'll to you about. That's all right. We'll do it again. We'll Anytime. do it again another time. Thanks for having me. Well, Sharon Horgan, thank you for being a wonderful guest on 20 Questions. Thank it's you. been great talking to you. Great talking to you too. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to 20 Questions on Deadline. For more episodes, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.